Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and I'm so excited for this series we're about to launch. November is National Adoption Month, and so we wanted to share a few adoption stories and to bring awareness of the importance and the need for the body of Christ to act on behalf of orphans and vulnerable children. Within the ministry of Samaritan's Purse, there are several adoptive families, and we talked to just a few of them so you could hear their hearts and the way that God drew them um, and led them to bring a child into their home. There are over 160 million orphans globally, and less than 1% of these kids will be adopted. This is a huge crisis, and here in the United States, there are over 500,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and 100,000 of those kids are ready and available for adoption. These numbers are staggering, and I don't, I don't share them to guilt or condemn you, but to urge you uh, to pray and to have the Lord search your heart for how you can love and support these kids. There's so many ways, both directly and indirectly, and we're going to talk about that through this month. But before you turn off this podcast and say, oh, this isn't for me, I can't adopt. I'm not called to. This isn't for me. Um, I encourage you to listen. That's not the point of this podcast. Uh, the The point is for you to hear the heart of people that are that are in it, and that have been called, and and for ways of for you to support people that have and are are called to adopt. And so, for Edward and I, this statistic became more than just a number. It became a face and a name of a child that was made in God's image. And so we wanted to start the series by sharing our story of how we brought Levi into our home from China. Welcome to Invited In. I am your temporary host today, Melissa Strickland. Uh, As you know, this is a podcast to connect the global family of Samaritan's Purse. And today I have the privilege of interviewing our actual host, Christy Graham. And uh, her husband, Edward Graham, who, of course, serves in leadership here at the ministry about just that, about family. So, Christy, I know you're a little uncomfortable being on the other side of the questions, mm-hmm. um, but I know you're going to do a great job. And uh, I just wanted to start with you maybe telling us why—you're obviously adoptive parents, but mm-hmm. what do you think made you want to do this special series of episodes in November uh, targeting adoption? Well, I think people often ask if Samaritan's Purse works with orphan care. Or, you know, we're, and we obviously don't do adoptions. We don't do grants or help people adopt, but we support several orphanages. You know, I got to work at one in Thailand, the baby's home we talked to Mark Baker about. But um, I think it's just, yeah, people ask us so many questions about our adoption story. And so I thought, during National Orphan Awareness Month in November, and Orphan Sunday is the second Sunday of November, it'd just be a great time to spotlight the need for orphans. I think there's 150 million orphans in the world, Um, and so we thought we would share our story. Well, and I know it'll be a great blessing Mm -hmm. to a lot of people who are very curious about adoption. And I know, Christy, you've shared with me in the past that this was something that the Lord put on your heart's pretty early in your marriage, but uh, kind of got laid aside because life happens, Um, but then came full circle after you had already had three children. So, Edward, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that process? 
it was laid on my heart one time reading scripture, just I felt called to adopt maybe one day. And then Christy and I got married and uh, I went off to combat on my first deployment. Christy just mentioned she worked at a at an orphanage through Samaritan's Purse. And while I was deployed, I think just to help pass the time, we did not have children mm-hmm. then. She was going to go work at this orphanage. And in my mind, she's going to fall in love with a kid, and then I'm going to come home. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. So I sent her a note saying, hey, if this happens, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and she's like, basically, as she's doing now, she's laughing. And she's like, you idiot. You you can't adopt from this orphanage. I was like, okay, good, dodged a bullet. But we life goes on. We have children. I have multiple deployments. But we had talked, and we felt, yes, we will adopt one day. But we kept having our own children, which is a great thing. God blessed us. Um, but also never, there wasn't really a right time because I was never home. I was gone for, you know, home six months, gone for four months, or gone for a year, maybe gone for six months. Each deployment was different, and it just, I wasn't home. And... Um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, when she passed away, my grandfather already passed away, but when she passed, she left us a little money. And we're sitting at her uh, funeral, and I just felt convicted. So I looked over. My aunt had just told me she left us a little. It wasn't a lot of money, not even enough to fund an adoption. Um, but I just looked at uh, Christy, and I was like, college or life? And she just smiled and says, I choose life. So when we came home from that funeral, we started the adoption process. So, I love that. I choose life. I think he thought it would take a little longer, but I, of course, like had already had all these ideas and agencies, <laughs> and I kind of already knew. I thought, so yeah, I we jumped started, on it, it really quick. Take, all of a sudden, we had everything we needed in, in one day. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like she she basically had it filed away and pushed a go button, <laughs> and all of a sudden, we had like a packet in front of us. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the Lord, through that, waiting process, Mm -hmm. Christy, did you feel promptings throughout, like maybe the Lord kept bringing it to your mind Mm -hmm. that this was what you were supposed to do? Yes, definitely. It was the same thing in college. I think a roommate had a family with like eight or nine kids, you know, from all over the world. And I just looked at that picture and thought, that's the gospel. That is a beautiful, I want a family like that one day. And so I always wanted to adopt, prayed, you know, when we met, I think we talked about it early, but like he said, it was just—it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And and I love the way because I, I can kind of have a passion for something and then move on. But this was something that God wouldn't allow me to move on, you know, even though we had several kids and it just wouldn't go away. It just we kept coming back. And again, he was always willing, but the timing just never was right. So I kept praying, God, take this desire away from me because I wanted to so badly, but the timing wasn't right. Or show him when it's time because I don't want to move forward if it's not your time. And so I got involved, started volunteering in a pregnancy center, thought, okay, I'm just going to advocate and help those that are. Um, and that was great and showed me, I think, just revealed more and more of what God's heart was for our family. Um, but like he said, the minute the timing was right, and thankfully God had put, I mean, everywhere we lived, we were in a, a big church with a big adoption ministry, or we had really good friends at each station that adopted or a pastor adopted at one point. So we had so many people in our life that had done it. So I talked to them throughout the years. So I already kind of knew a couple agencies and knew kind of the next steps. So that's why when he said he was ready, um, I knew exactly what action points to take. And so we jumped on it pretty quickly. And thankfully, where we lived at the time, one of my best friends, they had adopted multiple times. And so again, God just prepared the right people at the right time to walk us through it. And so they were able to help us find, you know, a really great Christian uh, agency to work with. And so then it just went from there. 
Now, you had three children at the time, and they were fairly young. Um, First of all, tell us a little bit about your family, where it was at that time. And then, you know, as a mom, um, the thought of taking on another child when I have three little ones, I think would have felt very overwhelming to me. Did you ever question your decision? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it still feels overwhelming. Um, And we were a little hesitant because as you go through the process, you say what I knew at that time I was in the military, I wasn't getting out. Uh, I loved my career. I knew I was going to be gone a lot. I was in special operations. So there's certain, like, when you fill out your packet, you say, I want a boy, girl, this is the age limit. We're willing to do these kind of health considerations. I have great insurance. I knew we could take care of a lot of things, but I also knew I didn't want to put a burden on my wife because I was gone all the time. So, you know, if the kid was deaf, we'd learn sign language. You know, if the kid was blind, I would learn to work. There were certain, so I'm not going to say no to that. There were certain health things I knew a husband needs to be present to help with that. And so I didn't want to put that on her. So we we selected through that. Um, and, you know, God eventually led us to Levi. And, you know, I just, it's God's story on how that one worked. There's some details I won't share on that one, how, but it was clearly God's direction and how that one worked out for Christy and I. That That's kind of how the checklist, I mm-hmm. think, more. When I think a, the hardest part is saying yes you know, starting the process. And then once you start it, God starts softening your heart. You know, anytime you surrender to the Lord in small ways, it's, it's you know, it gets easier the more you do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's what it was. We said yes. And initially, you know, I think I wanted a girl just because I wanted Hannah to have a sister, but we, we didn't limit that because I think some families do, and there's nothing wrong with that, but some are like girl only. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came to find out, we said either— um, only, I think, 75% of the waiting kids at the time were boys, you know, because people typically think China, oh, it's girls. Well, that was 20 years ago. Now there's more boys waiting and more families want girls. So we said either, and I think the only parameters we said were we didn't want to change our birth order. So we wanted, you know, the the child to be, you know, didn't want to be older than Hannah and then, you know, so and ideally younger than Hunter. But, yeah, our kids were nine, six, and what? four or five yeah. at the time. So um, so that's really all we said. And then the the special needs, but it was, it was really hard. And even, you know, from the beginning, you know, you pick your agency and you have to pick domestic or international. And then you pick your country. You can't just leave it open. You know, you really have to kind of specialize it. So we had to very early on make big decisions, which felt daunting. And like I said, I'd been in a pre- crisis pregnancy center for years, you know, talking, counseling domestic moms. And so you think, what about here? But I think we went with international, just knowing, especially in China, these kids probably will never hear the gospel. And so that was one of the— China was always on my heart. My grandmother was born in China. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most people don't know, though, Billy's wife, Ruth, we called her Tete. That means old lady in Chinese. But she was born and raised in China. My great-grandfather was a missionary doctor there um, before the, the, the communists came in. And my grandmother raised up. Uh, she actually went to school in Pyongyang in what is now North Korea and before she went to Wheaton. Um, but she always told us stories of China. She made us Chinese dishes growing up as kids. So we loved and had a heart for China. But I think for me, that's why I've always prayed and God laid China onto my heart. So that was part. We didn't limit ourselves to China for we had a conversation. But eventually when we started the paperwork, we went all in on China. Um, so you go through this process, which um, I, I know you were prepared and, um, you know, had everything ready to go, but I still think probably 
it had some ups and downs. I mean, I think some people think, oh. I want to adopt. Tell me what that process is mm-hmm. like so that, you know, maybe people who are listening who might be interested mm-hmm. in doing just this will will have a better understanding of what that process mm-hmm. is. Now they call it the paperweight, paperwork pregnancy. You know, it is typically, I mean, at least a year typically of paper chasing and, you know, blood work and home studies. Yeah. And, and COVID it is, made, has made like two years. Well, I feel bad for three. people doing it now because there have literally, there are families that are frozen. You know, they're matched with their child and they can't travel. So thankfully, we didn't have that added burden. And then because our parameters were broad and ours went faster than most. But, you know, if you're waiting for a healthy baby, it can take years. So for us, I think start to finish, it was about 16 months or something. Ours went very quick. Went Our quick. friends who have done it were shocked mm-hmm. on how quick ours But there's went. some yeah, reasons for that. But yeah, you kind of start it, and our agency described it as um, it's like being in the wilderness, you know, where the Israelites, you know, it's, it's daunting. There's so many unknowns. There's, I mean, China is one of the most predictable. It's I think it's still unpredictable because it's adoption, but it's one of the more predictable countries. Things go pretty... Um, there's not a lot of corruption. It, it For the most part, you kind of know what to expect. And so that's good. They kind of could give us a timeline, and it stayed pretty true. So we knew what we were chasing. But again, there's a lot of waiting. You have to send off your dossier and all these things. And so it is. It's hard. And then I think for us, once we knew who our child was, I think it was another six months until we could travel. And that was probably the hardest part because once it turns from a, a an unknown to a you know who it is, and you're getting pictures, and you're getting videos. And, he had a you birthday, know. and we sent him a yeah. birthday cake and a gift. Like, you want to go get your son. He's, so it's, he's it's there. Hard. He's stuck, and you want him. So that, that's you, the hard part. You do. You feel like you're in the wilderness. But then they described that once you bring your child home, that is conquering the promised land, right? You're, the wilderness might be over, but it, it's not easy. You know, you still have to. Yes, the Lord promised it to the Israelites, and he was with them, and he was going to help them conquer these enemies, but there were still going to be obstacles. So I think our agency pro- pro- helped us to enjoy the waiting and kind of embrace it. And I think there is a good to it because I think more people would adopt if it weren't so expensive and it weren't so, you know, have to jump through so many hoops, which would be great. But then it also would bring in more problems, right? So I think the putting some more obstacles does help stop some people without good intentions. So I help I think it helps you to pray. Yeah. So So there are some good things about that and yeah. safeguarding and um but yeah, it was hard and it was long and like the kids, yeah, cuz I think we kind of decided, I think we started things in March, but it wasn't until the summer that we really had to do blood work and I think that's when the kids got real involved. But yeah, for them it seemed like an eternity and when is this going to happen? And so um but I think in the waiting, God prepares you. And just like a pregnancy, it, there's a reason. You know, it's a good thing to have that longing and that. Um, but, yeah, I think for us, especially once we knew who it was, you know you've already missed four years. And so you just ache and you you don't want to miss any more minutes. Um, but God redeems and restores and I think has made up for the time that we've lost. And, I mean, I still wish we could have had that, but I don't feel like there's a gap. I feel like mm-hmm. he's always been with us, and we haven't missed a beat. So God's been really sweet in redeeming that, and I think he was in a, a good orphanage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not usually the case, but his was a loving, sweet environment. They had photos of him growing up. They had, like, his little footprints. Mm-hmm. A Christian organization taught them how to keep records. Yeah. And when the lady dropped him off, you know, she teared up and was crying. Mm-hmm. and so excited and cheering, like— it was a sweet handoff. 
Um, of course, he was scared to death, but quickly warmed up. But Levi, when we show him photos, even because he was four and a half, he remembers things about his orphanages, IEs, um, and he looks at him with affection. He's he's such a sweet boy and uh, very very tender and very loving. He very fact he he bonded with me probably quicker than Christy because Christy got sick over there, really sick. Um, no one's gonna be ready. No one's fully ready with the challenges that come with adoption. That's okay. Uh, we're not. We're not perfect. Uh, God is, and God will give us the strength and the resources and the temperament, the energy. And like I said before, I have failed with Levi. Levi has taught me more about love and grace than I will ever teach him. He is a very sweet and loving kid. But my family's been supportive. Will, my brother Will and Roy, from the beginning, they helped us out. But Will called us every day, I think, in China just to check on his nephew. And um, Sissy was waiting there at the airport when we landed with my mother, you know, to welcome us home. Um, we've had a lot of support. So we have been blessed um, more than I could ever thank the Lord with the help of, of going through this. So I think if you go through it praying, being involved in a great church and a church community and surround you with friends that are going to support, you can do it. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, that's what I say. You can't do it alone. I mean, first of all, your spouse. And that's why whenever people ask me about it, I say, first of all, you both have to be united. Yep. You both have to want to do this. Because I have a couple friends that were so gung-ho and their husbands kind of went along with it, you know, okay, but they really weren't in it. And it, it's caused some friction and resentment. And I think for us, we both were on the same page. And Chris we had wanted a perfect to. husband. Edward, yeah, Edward is a rare, <laughs> rarely are you, yeah, supportive, but and like he said, I struggled. I I'd wanted to do this. Laughing, but, uh, <laughs> I'd wanted to do this we'll since cut college, that part out. <laughs> and yet I struggled. And I, yeah, in sickness and despair there because I think being sick, I wasn't able to be with him, love him, nurture him like a mom would. Edward was doing all that, and so I felt cut out, you know. And it, so it was nothing against Levi; it was all me. I got into a dark place, and I kind of thought, I can't do this. What are we doing? Um, and so if I felt that way, and I've always wanted to do it, you know, and if he weren't on board and he had to go to all the civil affair appointments and do everything with him, it would have been a really difficult situation. And so I always say, be united. My favorite example of that in the Bible is Mary and Joseph. I mean, that is a perfect example of adoption. You know, they didn't try to talk each other into it. Um, you know, it says that the angel came to both of them, you know, and talked to Mary. She didn't go try to argue with him, you know, about what to do. The angel came to him, and Joseph lovingly, I mean, he adopted Jesus. And honestly, I never really realized it until after we adopted, but the line that Jesus came through, you know, the David was through Joseph's family. So he had to adopt Jesus, you know, to—I mean, Mary was chosen as the mother, but— he went along with adoption. And so I love that story. And I, that's why I started praying a couple of years before Edward was ready. Lord, take this desire away from me or give it to him because I don't want mm. to. Um, and I think I did. I fought it and I would try to act like, I'm good. We, we can handle another one, even though we couldn't. I mean, things were pretty chaotic. It actually was hilarious that I always wanted to adopt when things were literally on fire, especially when the boys were real little. But it just, the desire wouldn't go away. And so I, but I thought, yeah. I can't handle another kid, but I have this desire that won't go away. So I say mm-hmm. that all the time, but then I, community is important too because, yeah, I had to be reminded, you know, remember, don't forget in the dark, 
what God told you in the light. You know, I needed that truth spoken into me when I was in a dark place. And yeah, because love isn't always feelings. You know, sometimes it's a choice and sometimes it's, especially when it's an older child, because I think a lot of the couples we were with, you're with multiple families and you're going to the zoo and you're doing all these day events and a lot of them were babies. So they're sitting there in strollers. Everything's easy for them. And our kid's trying to run away because that's the other thing you don't realize. He'd live in an orphanage his whole life, never really been outside. I think their compound was pretty secure. The park, everything was inside of it. So he'd never been outside. Never had to hold a hand. You know, so we're terrified he's going to run into traffic. You know, China is people everywhere. So we're trying to teach him to hold his hand. He's fighting us, you know, and we're—so there's just all these things you don't think about that you have to teach him Mm. simple things that you—so I think that was the other hard thing is I wasn't feeling well. And here this this little boy's trying to run away from us because he's finally getting freedom. And he was clumsy because he'd never— Oh, he was clumsy. He just hadn't been out and about. You know, he was very confined. He looked abused. We had to go take him for one of his final checkup or his TB checkup. And uh, he had scabs all over his knees, bleeding because he'd fallen. Maybe I mean, he fell probably 20 times because, again, never had freedom, was running, sprinting. So excited. um, And just never learned coordination in the orphanage. He was a clumsy little kid. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So just all these things you don't expect or prepare for. And when it throws you a curveball, and then I think sickness is the biggest thing. But... You know, as you're as you're talking about this, it to me, I'm I'm just filled with these images of the way that God deals with us. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, scripture tells us that we are adopted children of God, that, you know, especially as Gentiles, we're not children of the flesh, we're children, you know, we are we've been adopted. But even after we're adopted, right? After mm-hmm. we pray to accept Christ, we are unruly. Mm-hmm. There are so many challenges. Um, you know, even just hold my hand, mm-hmm. stop running away from me, uh, hold my hand. Um, and I just, I, as you're talking, I've got this image of, uh, you know, our Father up in heaven saying, would you just stop and mm-hmm. hold my hand? And what, I mean, what has having Levi in your life, all of our children should teach us something about God, and mm-hmm. um, the Lord certainly uses them to teach us patience and all kinds of other things. Um, but Levi in particular, what have you learned about the nature of God? Well, I think I keep telling you about grace and ways because, you know, there are other frustrations like Levi, listen. And I did tell you, he learned English quick. Uh, at least he knew what we were saying to him. He, not, he could not say it, but he knew what we were telling him, even in China. Uh, by the time we got home, I would say almost with Two months, he was fluent in understanding what we were mm-hmm. saying. It just took him a while to speak it. And so he's so smart. Um, but just discipline, like when do you start with discipline with him? What's okay? What do you let, like, no, when do you start correcting him on that? And like he knows, you know, we struggle with that. But you already told us, you know, you just made the description of God holding our hand. I talked about clumsy. You know, we always look to the Old Testament, like, man, the stupid Israelites, how could they have been so stupid? You know, the answers were all right in front of them, and yet they kept messing up. Well, we're the Israelites today. I'm in it. Like, I'm just as pathetic and as weak and fall into temptation. But when I'm dealing with Levi and I look, and there was times I had like, I'm sorry, Levi, I was too hard on you on that one. And will you forgive me? And he'd look up with a tear, you know, and how I talked to him. And he goes, oh, okay, okay, Baba. You know, he calls me Baba. And I'm the only dad he's ever known. He was dropped off the day he was born because he has microtia. You know, he asks us about his mom sometimes, his birth mom. And so Christy does a good job. She answers this right away. Your mama loved you so much. Um, that's all we know, that she loved you so much that she wanted you to have a, a, a better life. And we don't know his story of his mom or his dad. 
Um, we never, we may never know this side of earth, um, but his trust in us and his love for us unconditionally, and, you know, he's teaching me, I think, Christ's love um, more than I'm teaching him Christ's love, uh, that innocent, you know, pure agape um, that I can't teach him. I didn't teach it to him. He came with that. God had given him that. Um, there are certain things I'm teaching him about behavior and discipline, but I think he's teaching me unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is like all adoption, even if you uh, from a baby, I mean, all of it comes from loss. You know, there is, and, and so it's the gospel manifested in a human, you know, flesh. It came from loss. You know, it came from s- sadness, sickness. Like the best thing for him would have been to be with his biological parents. You know, that is. But that's a loss to not have been with them, you know, until so far he doesn't, you know, he'll say sometimes, can we go find her, you know, and, um, but that was a loss, you know, whether he recognizes or not. And as of now, like he said, the minute he met us, he started calling us mama and baba, which mm-hmm. baba's dad from day one. And so he taught me, like he said, the childlike faith. I mean, he didn't, he really, I mean, he looked scared, but he immediately started playing cars and just never even asked, do I get to go back? He just, I mean, it's kind of crazy because you meet them in the civil affairs office. You sit with the nannies for about an hour to kind of talk to them and ask them questions. And But then you get on the bus with the rest of our families. And we did have an interpreter with us, Erin, um, who he did know because she would visit his orphanage. So he had a little— um, He would ask her to because he, he knew he was being adopted at, mm-hmm. after like a couple months. He knew because he got gifts from us and stuff like that. So he knew my parents are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would always ask her, when my parents coming? And then when she would come to the orphanage for another child, when my parents coming? And so he knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it was. We, I never really thought of it that way. He never, mm-hmm. once said he was or, ours. Or like, even asked Aaron, when am I going back? And some kids, we have a lot of friends that have adopted. Some will even say, um, especially one that had a heart, he had, a, he had to have heart surgery, so he had to be adopted. So once he had the heart surgery, he said, I want to go back because he had a foster mom. So he had more of a relationship. He said, I want to go back to my China mom. I'm done, you know, and they still have a struggle. And so some kids don't want a family. They don't want to be adopted. They love where they are. They're either in a foster situation or, but thankfully, Levi had this desire to be in a family. And I think even before we were matched, I think he he always said, when do I get to have a family? He probably he, wishes God was more selective. Well, maybe. <laughs> um But he did. He wanted a family. And so that's what I just love, his childlike faith, that right away, we're mama, baba. That's it. You know, and like I said, we had some issues and we had some, he would get like stubborn sometimes, but for the most part, from day one, he, that's it. He loved Um, us. He trusted us, you know, wherever we took him. But as I said, adoption and the gospel, you know, starts with loss. It comes from, and it starts with, you know, the gospel. It's, it required death, death upon a cross because that, that gap was not able to be bridged, you know. So Jesus, you know, God sent his son Jesus to bridge that gap. So that loss and sadness turned into redemption and beauty, you know. So now we can look at the cross and we can wear a cross and it's a beautiful symbol, right? So that's kind of what adoption is too. It's it's loss and it's tragedy wrapped into beauty and redemption. And so it's beautiful. But yeah, he reminds me every day just by his and just even when he calls me mom, sometimes I'll just stop and be like, I just can't believe. And, and there's actually a quote that says, a child born to another woman calls me mommy. The magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me. You know, it's and sometimes it will. It'll just stop me. And I just think, you know, 
that's what we are. Like you said, we're adopted into Christ's family. We are Abraham's seed now, not by our natural birth, but God made us co-heirs. And so sometimes I'll just watch through him, God, I want that faith to you, you know, because you love me more than, you know, even I can love Levi, but yet we're a, a physical rep- representation of that. So yeah, he does just it daily, just his his trusting eyes and his the way he just trusts us and trusted us from day one. And that's not a norm. That's not, and I know down the road, maybe puberty or later, there'll be more questions. But as of now, he always, but we do, we pray for his birth mom and birth dad, because I said, I pray that they find Jesus and we meet them one day in heaven and we get to, you know, I, I do, I hope. But unfortunately here on earth, we will probably never have these answers of his birth family and stories. Well, he, you, you know, we talk about his trust right away. Christy got, we, we got Levi that day and we went to a Walmart uh, to go get us some stuff right after the appointment. And so their Walmarts are underground. So there's a lot of subterranean in China, which people don't realize. Yes, they got skyscrapers, but their buildings go down like six floors into the ground. They don't have good ventilation. It's kind of, and Chrissy gets claustrophobic. So we went down there and like their meat market has like eels and everything. Like their Walmart meat market's a little different. Um, and so I thought she was just sick and smelling. So she got sick and we went up stairs to get some fresh air and so i'm outside holding levi waiting on the other couple to come back up and so we could get a cab back and i'm i'm bouncing with levi just trying to keep him occupied and i've had this kid for two hours and as i'm patting and looking at christy and trying to take care of christy at the same time i'm patting him on my shoulder i just naturally kiss my son on the cheek and that's the first kiss levi's ever had it was just a natural emotion i kissed him and he looked at me and he kind of reared back and it shook his head and like it hit his, you know, his eyes looked at me and you could just read his face. He's like, oh, this is a kiss. And he didn't know what you I've did. heard of this. And so he went to kiss me back. And his first kiss, I don't think he ever kissed anybody. He didn't know how to. He used his tongue and his like his and his lips. He pushed him out and pushed his tongue out. And he kissed me on a wet, slobbery, like it was so slobbery that I was like, oh, oh, oh thank you, buddy. And but he was so excited. And then he kept trying to do it. He'd never kissed before. Um and he just realized his innocence, but his trust right away. Mm-hmm. This, he'd been wanting a parent's his whole life. Mm-hmm. And this afternoon was like a whole exploratory for him. Like it, it was in her, he had a hard time going to bed that night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think, think he'd, he'd been held or hugged really. I mean, again, they were loving, but not yeah. like that. Nurturing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, you're, you're, I'm sitting here. I'm trying very hard not to cry. I'm trying to keep my memories. I'm trying to keep my. signing you up for adoption, and I'm doing your paperwork as we talk. (laughs) I'm trying very hard not to start sobbing because this is so. This I mean, truly, it's like your wedding day. You don't. Yeah, count some of these precious memories. Yeah, but they they are precious, and I think they're. I mean, they're so inspiring um, to those of us who have not you know, gone down this road, but, um, and just seeing the Lord's hand in all of it and the Lord's hand on sweet Levi. Mm. Um, and, you know, for those who are listening right now, who, who are feeling inspired, or maybe are in a place where you were at the beginning of your marriage, where you were just praying and maybe this is for us, maybe this isn't, what, what would you say to those people out there right now? You know, it goes back to, being committed to prayer, Christy's right. You have to be united. Um, so I, she talked about Mary and Joseph as a great example that, you know, if it's one, I've known, I've known it's the opposite. It's the husband that wanted and the wife is not. So it's not just usually one-sided, but you just pray that it either take it away or that you be united. If one tries to do it, 
we've seen other couples do it, and it's destroyed marriages. Um, it's not to go into lightly. But this is an opportunity, I think, for the church to be the church. So there's ways to help, and especially once the adoption goes through. So, you know, you can help cook, prepare meals, watch the other kids because there's other appointments and stuff. There's ways you can be involved in adoption and be a part of adoption, but all of this should be bathed in prayer. Mm-hmm. And and go and, and don't approach this lightly. Um, I do believe, I don't believe everybody can do it. I agree with that. I don't like it when people say, oh, I can't do that because you're putting God in a box. Um, if you tell God you're not going to do something or you can't do something, you better watch out. Um, you better be prepared for what's about to come. And I think you just got to be willing to get uncomfortable. I do that in a lot of aspects of my life. It's part of the reason why I left the Army to come to Samaritan's Purse. But in our marriage and our family, we felt it was time to get uncomfortable to grow it. And our family was never complete um, without Levi. And we still may not be complete. I haven't closed the door to further on adoption. Um, I feel like our suburban's full. I'm not quite sure where we'd put a kid. Um, We'd have to go to a church van. Um, But for those families and those churches out there that have family members that are thinking about it, pray for them. Be a part of it. Don't be afraid not to be a part of it. Ask where you can serve. How can I serve you during this process? Be the biggest cheerleaders. I was blessed with a family that cheerleaded um, Mm -hmm. and helped. But not all have that. Yeah, not all have that. And so when I say this is a great story, it's a, I know it's hard, but we were also blessed with things that other families don't. But that's where it takes the community and the church to help your brother and sister as they're going through this. Mm-hmm. So that pray, be a part of their prayer life, and don't be afraid to, like, can I help you? Mm-hmm. Do, can, I, can I do this for you at least? And if they say no, they say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I mean, yeah, we all know James 127, you know, pure religion is, you know, to care for the widows and the orphans. We know that. We are all, you know, commanded to do that. But like he said, it's not doesn't mean you need to adopt. But I, I would encourage, and I love Francis, Francis Chan. He said, we need to err on the side of action because we tend to default to negligence. Why not assume you should adopt unless you hear a voice telling you not to? You know, like, why not just assume you're supposed to adopt? And then if the doors close or you don't meet the criteria or, you know, it just doesn't. But if more people did that, you know, we w- we might not have as many orphans. But I-, I would say also, if you don't know an adoptive family, go find one. That's that's the biggest thing I would say from this podcast is, um, thankfully, like I said, throughout all of the places we lived with the military, everywhere we lived, we had multiple people. And some of my best friends had adopted before us. And we just always had people in our life so we could pour into. And same thing with widows and orphans. We always had some some widows in our life, and we still have very close friends that we love and we try to pour into because so both of those both of those widows and orphans you know if you don't know one go find one whether it's in you know our church alliance has a big uh, adoption ministry that you can you can be on you know kind of a respite care fostering. type yeah where the people that are fostering or adopting you know you can bring meals you can do respite care I mean there's so many ways to help well the one thing that we can all do. Um, whether this is something specific that God has laid on our hearts to to be the parents who adopt or not, the one thing that we can all do, that we should all do, is be be- very purposeful mm-hmm. in praying mm-hmm. for these adoptive parents uh, like you all and for the children, not just the children who are adopted, but the entire family, your other children. So can you share with me and with our listeners specifically how we can commit to praying for your family and for families like yours? 
Well, I'd, I'd say just pray for their parents' patience, but that's true with any parent. Um, you know, I, I, my prayer is for our life that with all my kids, they'll grow and to know and trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they'd be uh, servants of Christ in all that they do. And the times I drive them to school in the morning, which is more than it used to be when I was in the military, but we always pray. And there we go, we drive along the Blue Ridge Parkway to go to school every day, and I look at it, and I share a scripture at the Overlook with my kids, or I, we, that's our trigger for the prayer. But my prayer, every time right in front of them, is that they'll grow to know you, to trust you, to fear you, and to serve you boldly wherever you lead them, Lord. And so they hear that. Um, that is my hope for Levi and my own, you know, my kids through blood. Um, so I hope the community, those listening, will pray for my children, that they will um, be strong servants of Christ. I know my parents always pray that for me. Um, but for those other families out there that are adopting and going through it, I just, you know, I want them and I pray that they know they're not perfect. No family is. Um, adoption can be ugly. It's beautiful um, for what Christ did for us. But there's ugly parts to Christ. There was sin, and God had to, Jesus had to take that on his shoulders. And that sin is ugly. And we are going to have that in your adoption story as well. It's okay. Uh, surrender it daily. Put it at the foot of the cross and just keep walking. Um, but walking hand in hand with you know with God. Um, just as we share the story of Levi not wanting to hold my hand, you know, and you, me rejecting Jesus. Now Levi, if I'm in a parking lot, he runs and grabs my hand automatically. Did it at church leaving this last Sunday. I don't have to ask him now. He just grabbed the other kids. I wish they would grab my hand. Sometimes I'm like, Levi, leave me yes. alone. Get away. Like, we don't need to hold hands here. You know, we're just standing in line getting a drink, but he wants to hold hands. And I got to remind myself, that's what I wanted. And that's what, you know, and, uh, boy, what, why am I ashamed of that now or trying to push that away? So, you know, God's reaching out his hand, walk with him. He's there. Uh, he's never left. And he won't leave you during this adoption process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was to say, that they will know Jesus. Um, but also, you know, just praying for adoptive families to see God's grace and God's gifts in their life. I think, you know, I say it all the time that it's like the stones, you know, when they crossed the Jordan, you know, and they told each of the tribes to grab a stone to remember what God had done. I think that's something, you know, I try to do. And so I, I pray that. I guess you could pray for adoptive families to see God's stones, you know, because I think sometimes we forget in the daily grind. And, I mean, even just parents in general, um, you can forget the good things, you know. And I think for me, even just sitting down thinking about this, I thought of all the the blessings and the joys that we could have missed if we didn't step out and, and say yes to adoption. And Levi has. He's enhanced our family so much. And, you know, I think the biggest one was when we were—I was sick. We had traveled home. And I got strep. And I think it was the first couple of days we were home. I was That's super right. sick. sick again. Yeah, I got strep while traveling. Wow. It was terrible. Was and Levi had like E. coli or something. He had like a stomach. I mean, we were at the doctor every day when we got home. It was awful. And I was laying in the bed. I was gone. I went up to yeah. D.C. with my boss. So again, not the present dad. Yes. So. so I was laying in bed. He was playing trains on the floor, but he was singing Jesus Loves Me in very broken English. But it was because Edward sang it to him every day in China. Mm-hmm. And he was singing it, and I just started crying because I, I really was like, I don't think I can do this. I, I, I'm sick. Hannah had stitches. It was just like a, everything was falling apart, and God just was like, I'm with you, you know? And so just seeing those stones, and so that's what I pray. I pray that adoptive families will see God's hand, and that's, you know, in the, in the little, in the little things because um, there are a lot of ugly. I think majority, it's hard. 
Um, but there are some sweet moments, and God is showing us He's with us. So just to, but to also stand with them with the ministry of presence is important too. But yeah, and just praying that my kids will see that too. That I, even though, and I, and I think it's even adding it siblings biologically. Anytime you add a child to the family, you stretch and you grow, and you have to grieve what was. You know, and so that's something we we try to we do grieve. There was a change. There was you know, a kid that came in and took everything, and even now the boy still. That's mine. That's mine. But in that grief of losing something, you gained something. And so to see God's gifts, you know, and I think that's what—so just trying to point our, point our eyes to that and not get overwhelmed with what we've either lost or what's going wrong, but to see what's good. Once we said yes to adoption, I love the way that the Lord kept changing our hearts and inclining us toward His plan for our family. There's a quote that says, adoption is not about finding children for families. It's about finding families for children. And that is so true. And Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says, God in his holy dwelling is a father to the fatherless and a champion of widows. God provides homes for those who are deserted. And so I encourage you um, to, to just pray. Uh, we're going to continue to talk throughout this series about how you can get involved. And, and not everyone is called to adopt, but everyone is called to love and support in some way. And so I encourage you, I, I have three practical walk takeaways uh, to get involved. The first one, as I said earlier, is prayer. I encourage you to pray. Pray as the Lord uh, prompts your heart for, to pray for these 160 million orphans around the world. Uh, second, I encourage you to support. Support a family that is in the process of adopting or has brought home a child. If you don't know one, find one. So many churches have adopted adoption ministries. They can help link you to some families. I can help link you to some families. Just look around and, and ask the Lord to help you find some families to support, whether that's financially, whether that's bringing a meal, providing respite, encouragement, I mean, even just a letter um, and, and telling them that you're praying specifically for their family and their children by name, that speaks volumes. So look around for ways to support families. And then the third, I encourage you to find some more resources. There are so many agencies, two that I personally love and support are Lifeline Children's Services and Show Hope. Both um, have just so many great resources and education, training, uh, just for you to get more knowledgeable. Lifeline Children's Services has so many ministries. Um, they have one called Unadopted, where they support kids all over the world that won't be adopted. And they have ministries and uh, support that help train them about Christ and bring them up and just prepare them for, for the world. And so, again, check out those two agencies. They're fabulous, um, and they have so many resources for you to get involved. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be on the lookout for the next, next episode. You will be so encouraged and blessed. Um, thanks again for tuning in. God bless you. God bless you.